It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. John Luther once said, I gave up all for Christ, and what have I found? Everything in Christ. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us. Give us your feedback or questions at ChristianQuestions.com and all our social media channels. Dig deeper after this episode by downloading our comprehensive CQ Rewind show notes. It's a visual and contextual map of everything we cover. Look for the Seeker Rewind button on our episode pages. Another great companion is our all-new Bible study notes, an easy-to-follow single page of questions tied to scriptures for a great personal study or for your Bible study group. Check them out by clicking on the Bible study tab on our homepage. And we also do video. Look for new videos for all ages every week at christianquestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what have we got in store for today? Well, Rick, our question is, Jesus died for you. Are you dying for him? Our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Okay, that's an interesting question. Jesus died for you. Are you dying for him? So, most Christians will tell you that once you're called to Christ, it means you are called to be a footstep follower of Jesus. While this description is easily given, it is not so easily explained. How can we walk in Jesus' footsteps when we are really nothing like him? He was perfect, we're not. He gave his life as a ransom for Adam, and therefore he bought back the human race from sin. We have no such mission or value. Jesus performed miracles and taught profound lessons, while we appreciate his miracles and spend our time absorbing what he taught. So, coming up in today's podcast— Who actually holds the keys to becoming a disciple of Jesus? Is there a test or does it happen because I want to? In our second segment, we bring a rare scriptural clarity to answering this question. How about this? Dying to self. Come on, let's face it. That sounds like an awful thing to do that is full of pain and suffering. In our third segment, we begin to put this perspective in in perspective by figuring out what devotion really means. Or how about this? How much leeway is there? When you are Jesus' disciple, can we ever do what we want? Our fourth segment answers this by examining what disciple means and does, or discipline means and doesn't mean for a disciple. Bottom line is true discipleship to Jesus reflected in the majority of churches that surround us. Segment five walks us through what true disciples actually deliver. So, Rick, what is following Jesus all about? In his own words, Jesus Jesus told us to deny ourselves. What does that mean? Are we supposed to live in a way that makes us never do what we want to do? Is this what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I die daily? Ah, that's an important scripture. I die daily. So, Jonathan, in order to answer these very difficult questions, that means we figured we'd bring in the big guns. And so Julie is back with us. <laughs> Hello, oh, Julie. No, that's the... Smallest gun possible. Uh, Julie, how are you? What's going on? I'm I'm good. This is an important topic, and I'm I'm happy to be with you on this episode. 
And Julie, just very quickly, because you're not with us every week, what is it that you do for Christian Questions? Well, I work on maintaining our website, which is, of course, ChristianQuestions.com. I edit the CQ Rewind show notes that our listeners can get for free on our website, and they can also sign up for our newsletter, and we'll email them to you uh, hot off the press every week. And the show notes are great to read while listening to the audio podcast. So there's a lot of, lot of little things that I'm involved in. Yeah, a lot of little things, huh? Yeah, I don't think they're little, but <laughs> a lot of things. Good to have you with us. Thank so, you. So Jonathan and Julie, let's get started. Let's put this in perspective. And, and, you know, let's start with Jesus' perspective. Jesus never described discipleship as easy. Jesus in our first scripture, begins to show Peter what's required. Now, the context of this scripture is Peter's third conversation with Jesus right after Peter's boat is overflowing with fish, and and Jesus has been drawing Peter to him over time. And this is a part of that final conversation where Peter finally, finally makes that decision. So we're going to be reading from Luke 5, verses 8 through 11. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, for now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Rick, He saw this amazing miracle and many other ones, all right? And so did the other disciples. We don't literally see these things. We read accounts. We are different than they were. We have to live by faith. So discipleship to us, it's not right there. It's not right before us. Yeah, and and, you know, you're right. And they had Jesus walking right in front of them. And so we've got to really assemble what discipleship means by looking at what they did and what they experienced and, and then emulating all of that. So as we go through several scriptures in this first, uh, first segment, it's just a sense of what Jesus is telling us discipleship requires. So Jonathan, in this first scripture, what is Jesus saying discipleship requires? Leaving the comfortable way your life has been for a higher call. And, you know, Peter was comfortable in his fishing, but he, Jesus said, I want you to take that comfortable fishing, and now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Kind of drew him with something that he felt comfortable with to do something that would be uncomfortable and much higher. So Jesus says, you got to leave your comfortable way of life for something higher. Next scripture, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Okay, so Julie, in this one, what is Jesus telling us that discipleship requires? Well, that you have to walk a narrow, difficult, and rarely trodden path. Okay, and so what does that mean? I mean... Is it is it a, is it just the little path that you got to get your hiking boots on for? <laughs> well, it sounds like it's difficult. It doesn't sound right. easy because you you have this you have a you have a uh, a small gate and a narrow way. So it must be something that's difficult, right? And that's the point. He's saying it's not just laid out easily for you. I'm going to challenge you. Okay, next scripture of Jesus' perspective: Matthew seven twenty one to twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And Rick, that word miracles literally means mighty works. And then I will declare to them, I knew you not. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, this is this, this is kind of harsh, and we're going to deal with something very similar to this in, in one of the coming segments. But so, so, Jonathan, what is Jesus saying discipleship requires here in Matthew 7, 21 to 23? Well, it's far more than an outward compliance and works that seem to many to be glorious and wonderful. Okay, so it's far more than kind of looking like you're with it. And, and going along with all this great and wonderful things that you've seen. It's, he's saying it's much more than that because he's saying, you're not really with me. So you got to say, okay, well, why would he say that? We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. One last scripture in the, just the basic foundation of some of what Jesus says is important in terms of being his disciple. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to John twelve twenty three to 26. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All right, so Julie, in the John 12 scripture, what is Jesus saying discipleship requires of us? The giving up of one's very life and purpose for a higher cause. All right, so it is a difficult, higher setup, okay? Something that is important that you need to stretch yourself to fit into. So when we look back over these these several points that we've talked about— what Jesus is saying is discipleship is not going to be a bed of roses without the thorns. It's going to be something that I'm going to require you to stretch and grow into. So right off the bat, just by looking at the words of Jesus, what we're beginning to see is discipleship is a challenge. And like you said, Jonathan, earlier, it really comes down to we have to do live this challenge by a very strong measure of faith. So walking in Jesus' footsteps is actually a much more difficult road to walk than most churches ever told us. How does discipleship work? Is there a difference between a disciple and someone who loves Jesus? We've been studying scripture and discussing how biblical history collides with world history in today's culture for 20 years on radio and in podcast channels. If you're curious about how the Bible or Christianity applies to what you have faced and are facing right now in your life, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Listen live or on your own time. Then reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. You know, most of us wouldn't even think to ask a question that divides disciples from those who love Jesus because they are very much understood to be the same. However, there's a little more to this than we generally think about. As we will see, discipleship is very different than simply loving 
Jesus. And and I want to make that as a very important point to begin with. It is very different than what many of us actually think. Who holds the keys to becoming a disciple of Jesus? Is there a test or does it happen because I want to? Yeah, there's this test and you have to submit it online. And no, no, there's oh, not. Boy. <laughs> uh, so, so what is the beginning? Where does discipleship actually begin? This is important because, again, this is one of those things that most of us don't ever really think about. So as we go through our, our, our podcast today, we're going to look at sev- several what we call discipleship decisions. And then as we go through those decisions, we'll go through some scriptural perspective and then get to the end of each segment where we begin to decode what discipleship actually means. So the first discipleship decision, Julie, is what? Well, discipleship actually begins with a decision by God to call you. And that's really important. Nothing happens until you're called. Okay. It begins with God calling you. So, Jonathan, how do we know that is true? John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, Jesus is specific when he says, nobody comes to me except the Father draws him. And so, there's this sense of God starts the process. So, this very specific call goes out to many. All do not answer or even hear it. This has been the case from among the Jews of Jesus' time as well as down through the entire age of the gospel message. And Rick, Jesus, I mean, God sees value and potential in someone's heart. He's very selective on who he calls. That's that's such an important point, especially folks, you know, if you're listening, you're saying, you know, yeah, is, is is God calling me? God is selective. So what is it that he is calling if he's calling you? Well, let's look at Luke 13, 23 to 27. And I'm going to interrupt you in the middle here, Jonathan. But this this is one of those scriptures that you, you say, wait a minute, this, does, this seems contrary to what a lot of us have grown to believe in terms of discipleship. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who will be saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. So this is interesting because one of the Jewish individuals following after Jesus says, you know, are there just a few? And Jesus essentially answers, yes. And that seems surprising because it's looked like he's, he's drawing all these people to him. But he says there's coming, there comes a point where he says, oh, look, I don't know you. Now read verses 26 and 27. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. That's pretty powerful stuff. So what he's, what, what's happening here is these people that Jesus is talking about, they're saying, we knew you, we followed along with you, we appreciated you. But the bottom line is, what Jesus is saying is, but you didn't really follow me. You followed along with me, but you didn't really follow me. 
Julie, go ahead. But this seems to, on the surface, to be unfair. You know, Jonathan just read about people trying to pursue Jesus, but they were turned away. You know, he essentially slams the door in their face. (laughs) And that contradicts a lot of other scriptures that they say things like, come to me, I will give you rest. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How are you supposed to find life if the door is being shut? (laughs) And, And that's a really important question. And so as we look at this whole calling aspect, we, we've got to try to begin to put this into, into some balance. Jonathan, go ahead. And Rick, I think these verses uh, 25 through 27 are, are really understood in a saying of today uh, of, I believe. And when someone says, I believe, and nothing happens or changes, you're still the same person, you're still doing the same things. That's really not discipleship. Yeah, see, there's a difference between I believe as a life-changing experience and I appreciate as something that makes us feel better and, uh, you know, look a little higher. When many of us say I believe, what we're really saying is I appreciate. And we got to be careful about that because discipleship is bigger than that. And just just both Julie and Jonathan, just very quickly, uh, this I think came from Facebook Becca sent these to me, um, and I don't even know the name of this individual. Uh, love the podcast. So much good stuff. Yeah, I love love reading these things. And then they say, um, just finished the episode, Does God Judge Everyone the Same Way? I was curious if you guys had any more info about who you describe as the true followers of Christ versus the rest of the human race. Who are considered the cult? And that's exactly what we're talking about now. Is this those of us who know about Jesus, have the chance right now to respond to him, or is there more to it than that? That's an important question, and Julie, that's essentially what you're asking. And the answer is, there is more to it than that. And we have to look at the more to it in the context of the whole plan of God, because otherwise you say, well, are you just like locking out most of everybody? And the answer is no, absolutely not. But this particular call is very specific. Julie, go ahead. So uh, you, you, you both did an episode uh, a while ago. It's episode number 683 uh, called Who Gets Elected by the Spirit, that is. And our listeners can go to ChristianQuestions.com and in the search bar just type 683 and it'll come up. And I think it's really important to recognize that the Bible teaches if you aren't one of these called ones now, there's still salvation available. Yes. Jesus died for all, not just the few who are called at this time. And God has a plan for the rest of the world that has nothing to do with a burning hellfire. So for more on these two different salvations of the called out ones and the everybody else's, I've got another episode for you. 1050-1050. What does it mean to be saved? Okay. So a lot, lot of extra pieces going on here. And, and so what you're saying really is this is a very, very large subject that we can't possibly cover all at once. Uh, I just want to go to... Um, Trish, is is your you've got a question or comment? Is it directly revo- involved with God calling us, or is it about just our general response? <laughs> no, it's about a completely different subject. I, I just <laughs> sit here and talk about something else. This is my wife. She's uh, <laughs> such a wise guy. Sometimes, yes. I just wanted to know if you could clarify why does he that scripture in Luke thirteen at the end he says. You are evil doers. Yes. If they were appreciating him, how could they be evil doers? Okay, good, good, good question. And you know, and I think the answer to that is that there is a very clear distinction between being in Christ 
and not being in Christ. He's not saying you are evil at heart and and you are Satan followers. He's saying you're simply not in Christ. Jonathan, go ahead. And they don't have the robe of Christ's righteousness covering their fallen sinful condition. So they therefore, at this point in time, fall into the category of the everybody else, which until they're raised and they begin down that road will be on the wrong side of things. But God's plan has a, has a plan and a place for them. So that's, uh, Trish, thanks for that question. That's a good, good question. Let's move along the discipleship decision. Now we've got to go beyond God's part. What's next, Julie? Uh, next is our part. Yes. So we go. answer God's call, and to surrender one's will is difficult, and such a decision has to be made, though, to begin the process of living for Jesus. Okay. We have to answer the call that God gives. So it's impossible to begin without clear and intentional steps. And we're going to be talking about a lot of very, very specific words today as we go through the description of what true discipleship actually looks like and how are we dying for him? That's really our essential question. So clear and intentional steps. A great scripture to, to base that on. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to Romans twelve one and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Rick, uh, I have a, a quote from a good friend of ours, uh, Tom Gilbert. He w- was actually a guest on one of our programs. Yeah, he was actually on several over the years. Yeah, and uh, he, w- he did a sermon on discipleship, and I love some of his quotes. This one, he, he said, it's not the things we give up. Um, so we're talking about self-denial. It is to offer something precious to God, the act of service. It will cost us. He focuses on what we say and what we do not what we didn't do. So it's not about what we're giving up nearly as much as it's about what we are doing. And, and that implies the growth and development of, of actual discipleship. Again, we can be appreciators of Jesus or disciples of Jesus. There's a big, big, big difference between the two. So we need to have no illusions about who we are. We're average and broken, and we're called to bring glory to God. This next scripture is one of those scriptures that just, it, it, it focuses on the calling, but it is very blunt about how God goes about the choosing. So if you think that you may be called, I wonder if you fit into the category of this scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Okay, there you have it. Foolish. I'm I'm on that list. (laughs) (laughs) Foolish. Foolish, weak. Uh, that they despised by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that well, doesn't it, sound like such a great following, does the it? The base of this world. Yeah, and But see, why does God choose those? And the answer is a beautiful answer, and it really does fit into what, what you said you know, from, from Tom in, in, that, in that sermon. He said, so that 
no man may boast before God. So in other words, he's not calling you because you're so smart, but he is calling you because you have that heart that he can mold. There's something powerful. So whether we're weak is not relevant to God. It's what is in the heart that is willing to walk in a discipleship manner in our lives. So we can't have illusions about who we are. We have no illusions about what we are called to. And again, the phraseology in this next text is very interesting because it it, it raises discipleship to a level that maybe a lot of us don't think about. It's This text is going to tell us we are called to be obedient saints. Romans 1, 5 through 7. Jesus, through whom we have received mercy, grace, and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Julie, you... Yeah, you know, this also reminds me of um, this calling of Luke 14, 25 to 34. And those scriptures say, basically, suppose you want to build a tower. Do you first sit down and estimate the cost to make sure you've got enough money to complete the tower? Or let's say a king is going to go to war against another king. Doesn't he first sit down and consider whether he, with 10,000 men, can oppose the one coming at him with 20,000 men? And so verse 33 of that Luke 14 says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. There's a cost counting to this. And you know what it is? It's completely opposite of what the prosperity gospel says, where if you do things, you're going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams and you're going to get all this stuff and it's amazing. This is about what you're giving up, not what you're going to get. And so what do we do with the what we're giving up? Because, you know, Jonathan, you were saying, well, it's really not about what you're giving up. And so you got to put those two things together and they fit like a glove, actually. They really, truly do. So we got to figure out how to put all that together. But the thing is, we're called to be saints. Now, there are some churches that 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 elevate certain individuals as, quote, saints. But yet... All of the true disciples of Jesus, all of them throughout the entire age of the gospel, are called to be saints. That's a, that's a very humbling thought when you think about it, because it's a, a very holy type of a position to be in. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up this discipleship decision uh, of God calling us and us responding, how do we decode what discipleship actually means? Well, the decision for who becomes a true disciple of Jesus is twofold. First, God does the calling. Then those called must answer in an acceptable way for God to bless them. Okay, God calls first. That's where discipleship begins. And then we have to answer in an appropriate way for God to continue to bless us. So this call is not common to all people at all times. Knowing this really changes the seriousness of discipleship. Now that we clearly see how the beginnings of discipleship work, what do we do to build upon it? We have a simple yet powerful request for you. 
Can you think of someone who'd enjoy listening to this podcast? Send them a text message right now. Tell them to check out our Christian Questions podcast. That's one of the great ways to spread the word. Thank you for sharing our weekly conversation with every single person you know. Well, who you want to tell is still up to you. Thanks for texting and listening. Let's go back to Rick and Jonathan as we take a closer look at our topic. You know, just because we make an initial decision to answer the call of God to follow Christ does not mean that we're set to go. As with anything worth committing to, discipleship requires our devotion. This required devotion is not an emotion. Rather, it is a purposeful mindset that focuses our lives. So, when you think about devotion, we often think about, well, I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Jonathan, I know you had a question you wanted to put on the yes. table here. Dying to self, face it, it sounds like an awful thing to do. Discipleship is full of pain and suffering. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Face it. It is. Okay. So what do we do with this? And, and you know, when you say devotion, uh, Jonathan, I, I know that you are a devotional type of a person. That's your, your, your nature. And when, when we talk about devotions, what are the kinds of things that, that would come to mind just generally when, when you say something like that? Well, uh, prayer, uh, heartfelt communion with God, you know, being open and free to ask questions, look for his leadings, um, singing praise and melody uh, throughout the day. Uh, it's not just a moment in time where you set aside and say, this is my devotion and that's it. Yeah. It, it's, it's an attitude, I think, Rick. Yeah, and you know, sometimes we, we, we mistaken those few minutes at the beginning of the day where we're going to read a Bible verse or something inspirational as our devotional time. Now, that's a good thing. I don't want to minimize that. But let's look at the discipleship decision in a bigger way when it comes to intentional daily devotion. So Julie, intentional daily devotion. What, what, what is this? Well, this not only includes intentionally focusing on godly thinking, but it also includes being intentional, intentional, excuse me, about walking as a disciple today. Okay. So it is not a feeling. It is intentionally walking today. Can, can I just ask a quick question? Sure you can. You said previously that dying to self um, sounds like it's full of pain and suffering. Yeah. Okay. I know how you live. I know how Jonathan lives. I We all live in a nice, nice, modest home. We all have cars. We have reasonably good health. We're not suffering. People aren't persecuting us like the Apostle Paul. We're not in shipwrecks. We don't have, we're not down to our last dime. How, where's this pain and suffering? Are we not good enough if we're not physically wrecked with pain during our discipleship? Well, you know, uh, I want to partially answer that question and partially leave it alone. Just because the reason I want to partially leave it alone is because next week, our subject is, my life is full of suffering. Am I cursed? <laughs> <laughs> Am I well, cursed? that was timely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, that, that will be coming in a big way next week. But, but the answer is, the growth of discipleship comes in a lot of different ways. And because you are not necessarily physically suffering doesn't mean you are not being tried and, and being tempted and or tested. And believe me when I tell you, I know many, many, many Christians who are going through hard, hard experiences. If you look at them, you think, wow, they're just kind of moving along. But their lives are not at all that way. And okay. so it, it can be very much internal. 
very much. Jonathan, go ahead. Yeah, I have a really quick quote from our friend Tom Gilbert from his sermon. Denials liberate us from self-interest. Ah, there you go. Liberate us from self-interest. And that's part of the process of walking towards God. Now, so let, we're going to be focusing on devotion, but not just having devotional time, but being a devotional person. Intentional daily devotion first to prayer. And Jonathan, you already mentioned this, but Hebrews four fourteen to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace to find the grace that you need to help you in times of need. See, so intentional daily devotion to prayer, not just in the morning, not just when you're going to eat, not just when you're going to bed, but throughout your day. Without prayer as a basis, any other daily devotion is easily subject to being short-circuited. Because if you're not plugged in to your source of energy, your, your, your battery's going to die. Okay. And doesn't the Apostle Paul tell us pray without ceasing? Yes, he does. He tells us to die daily, and he tells us to pray without ceasing, and, and he puts us in that position of being intentionally devotional as a human being. The next point is intentional daily devotion to perseverance. We started with prayer, and now we go to perseverance. John fifteen eighteen to 21. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Okay, so what you have here is Jesus giving these final words of inspiration the night before he is to be uh, tormented and, and crucified. And he's saying, I chose you out of the world. A slave is not greater than his master. They've persecuted me. You're going to be going through difficulties. Uh, all these things uh, they will do to you, whatever difficulties you come across, will be because you are standing for me, because they don't know God. So we have to have that intentional daily devotion to persevere through whatever the circumstances are. And that cannot, is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Jesus told us what would be coming our way to help us prepare to stand firm through all of it. But we have to realize that my trials may be entirely different than yours. And they are. I mean, Jonathan, I've known you for a long time. Julie, I've known you for a long time. And the kinds of trials we have are very, very different. Does it make yours more difficult? Well, maybe some of yours are more difficult. I oh, have to no, admit. No. I got to admit. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what it means is they are given to us as that test of devotion to perseverance, intentional devotion to persevering. Next, and we're going to pick up the pace a little bit here, intentional de daily devotion to God's providence. So we've got prayer, perseverance, and now providence, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
See, our calling to his purpose is guarantee of his providence. And Julie, when you think about that, that's a that's a pretty powerful equation. Well, and you know, what's interesting is that I've heard a lot of people quote the first part of that scripture, and we know God causes all things to work together for good, period. Mm. But they forget to those who love God and to those called according to his purpose. That to me signifies there's some sort of special overruling, special attention to these called out ones to help them in their walk, which is different from the from the fans of Jesus. And the providence of God works in a very specific way for those who are disciples or working toward being disciples versus the everybody else. It really, truly does. So we need to be intentionally devoted on a daily basis to living within God's providence. And sometimes we want to make our own providence, but that's not God's way. We have to live within his providence. So we've got prayer, perseverance, and providence. Next, intentional daily devotion to people. Galatians 6.10. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. You know, and you think about that. Do good to all people. What would Jesus do? That's a, that's a question we would really need to ask ourselves on a regular basis in terms of our intentional daily devotion to people. Another great quote from our friend Tom Gilbert. Do we have the capacity to love the world around us like God and Jesus do? Oof. Yeah. Ask me while I'm stuck in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe don't ask me while I'm stuck in traffic. <laughs> but see, that's the point of discipleship. It is not supposed to be something that is just given to you. And it's like, hey, this is a really cool gift. You know, it's not like being given a basket of fruit as a gift that you can eat. And it's like, oh, look, fruit of the spirit. It's delicious. No, no, no. This is fruit that needs to be grown and cultivated. And there's, and you've got to protect it and work through all of the difficulties. And part of our daily devotion is to the household of faith. How am I devoted to other Christians? Plants also get pruned, Rick. Yeah, they do. And trials <laughs> and difficulties to help us in our development of our fruit. Yeah, and and it's really important to realize that our focus needs to be not only on the preaching of the gospel, but building up the body of Christ. Next point on intentional daily devotion. Again, see, devotion is just not a good feeling. It's a daily action. We've got prayer, perseverance, providence, people, and now perspective. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. So to see through spiritual eyes is to see as Jesus did. But Julie, this is an interesting scripture because, you know, we were talking about how difficult it is to get rid of yourself. And this is saying old things have passed away. All things have become new, but you're still stuck in that same old person. Well, I think part of this is when you're dealing with uh, maybe difficult people or people that you don't naturally get along with, you have to now put on these new spiritual eyes and look at them, at their new creature, at their struggles, that they are walking as disciples. You know, it's different. It's not just human to human and boy, I don't, you're not my favorite cup of tea. (laughs) You are one of God's called out ones 
Now we need to speak on a very respectful and upbuilding level. So I need to have a better, higher perspective. That's right. Go ahead, Jonathan. And we can look at their heart intent because no, no one of us is perfect. So yeah. don't expect it. Right. But if they have a heart intent that desires to praise the Lord, to do the best they can in serving God and following in Jesus' footsteps, we love them and give them the benefit of the doubt. So we have to intentionally, daily devote ourselves to that perspective when we look at those around us. Next, intentionally, daily devotion to our purpose. So now we've got prayer, perseverance, providence, people, perspective. Now our purpose. Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are a fellow citizen of the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Okay, so, you know, we've got a, a, a sense of the purpose is you're being molded and shaped to be a part of something that's way bigger than you are, way bigger than you can even imagine. And so that's, the purpose is not for me. It's so I can be a part of that something bigger. Hey, Rick, I love these six P words, prayer, uh, perseverance, providence, people, perspective, and purpose. But there's one I think we're missing, and that's discipleship is a privilege. Yeah. You know, intentional daily devotion to the privilege of being selfless. And, you know, so you take being selfless from this, oh, that doesn't sound good, to that is the highest privilege you could ever, ever, ever be offered. So, and that's what disciple is, discipleship is. It's the changing of our perspective to see things in a higher way. It is not easy, and it was never designed to be easy. From the first words of Jesus, we've, we've been discovering that. So, Jonathan, let's wrap up this segment, Decoding Discipleship in Terms of Our Daily Devotion. To have intentional daily devotion is to realize the profound importance of each day. It is to realize that we have the power to choose whom and what to follow every day. Every day I have a choice. To what do I devote myself? That's, those are the kinds of things we have to really ask ourselves. So now when we think of having our daily devotions, we can also think about being thoroughly daily devoted. So we have decided to answer the call and we are daily devoted to its accomplishment. What's next? Join our conversation by messaging us through the Christian Questions app. Download it now in your app store. Just search Christian Questions, then give us your thoughts on this and future episodes. Now, let's take a CQ deep dive. Because discipleship is such a broad and life-altering state of being, what follows decision and devotion should be obvious. Think about the word disciple. It comes from the word discipline. What better way to describe the core of a disciple's life than to see it through the lens of discipline? And I will tell you that in the world in which we live here and now, the idea of discipline is not a welcome idea because the world in which we live forms our worldview to be, it should be about me. And what discipleship is, is I should be about that higher cause. And that requires a discipline to not only 
be transformed within yourself, but to get stay away from that other way of thinking. I have a question for you, Rick. How much leeway is there when you're a Jesus disciple? Can we ever do what we want? (laughs) Because, you know, it sounds like it's like, okay, you guys are becoming robots to have programmed into your head the will of God, and this is all that we will do. We will never do anything else but the will of God. I do not compute anything else. And here's the thing. You know, when you think about being that disciple, you think about God calling us as who we are. You know, we have families, we have jobs and responsibilities, and yes, we can do the things that we would like to do. However, we need to do them in the context of spirituality. And we're going to really delve into that in this segment. So, Jonathan, that's a good good question to, to get this started. So, Julie, frame for us the discipleship decision for the idea of discipline. Well, spiritual discipline is expressed in the intentional reordering of our thoughts and actions so the most important spiritual things always remain the most important things. And, you know, that's built on, Jonathan, you you always bring this out. Uh, This is a saying I learned from a sales trainer years and years and years ago. Always do the most important thing at any given moment. And sometimes the most important thing is playing with your kids. Sometimes the most important thing is earning a living. Sometimes the most important thing is date night with your spouse. Sometimes the most important thing is dropping everything and going to be by the side of the person who's suffering. Sometimes the most important thing is doing a podcast. Sometimes the most important thing is responding to an email. Sometimes the most important thing is playing baseball. Well, maybe not too often, but sometimes. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is that our lives need to be built around real, true, spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline first. We achieve spiritual discipline when we work to disrupt our natural, earthly thinking. Jonathan, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, Rick and Jonathan, to disrupt our natural earthly thinking, this makes me think of it's not just that we're following along, but we're following to become. We are going to become something that is a new creature in Christ. And I think that what's happening with earthly thinking, it, it, it attacks all of the natural parts of our lives. And we've got to figure out how do we stop it and replace it. You know, with each decision that we come to and each choice in our day, what is the best, better use? What's the higher use of those moments that we have? And, um, you know, one of the things that we've done is, Rick, you've started creating these CQ videos called Moments That Matter because we felt that if our listeners had moments in their day, maybe it's right before they go to bed or right when they wake up or sometime when things get a little crazy, you can just take two minutes, watch this little video of a moment that matters, and it puts a, um, a spiritual thought to think about, something to meditate on in the day. And, you know, we're going to be talking about these natural, earthly, our thinking, our habits, and our ambitions. And as we're going through these what came to my mind was a funnel. So start thinking about these earthly thinking and habits and ambitions being disrupted and they go through a 
uh, a funnel that's also a filter to get to that spiritual discipline. And, you know, I'm an editor of the CQ Rewind show notes. And so you will find that funnel in this week's <laughs> CQ Rewind show notes, because not only do we have every single scripture that you two talk about every week, but we also add graphics and additional information to make things uh, jump out on the page while you're listening to your audios. So the idea of funneling through, and there's three things we're going to talk about in this segment. There's the disruption of natural thinking, disengaging from natural habits, and dissolving our natural ambitions. So that funnel is 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 funneling through. So you get you get something in a very concentrated form, and then you filter so you don't let the impurities follow all the way through. This is what discipleship is. It is not an easy thing. Not easy. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That means we need to, to, to put ourselves in that position where that's the most important thing. And Rick, give us a practical example of that. Like, I know you love baseball. Yes. <laughs> what, what do you do with this? How do you disrupt your natural earthly inclination to spending every dime you have on the Yankees? <laughs> is, is the Yankees your team? Is that the well, one? Well, everybody knows the Yankees are my team. And, and okay. yes, yes. And, and Go Cubs. <laughs> um, so, you know, really, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of decision, you know, and, and, you know, baseball is a long season and they play 162 games. And I would love to sit and watch every single inning and every single pitch of every single game. I don't. I can't. If I can watch three or four innings of a game three or four times a week, great. After I'm done with everything else. Why? Because the everything else is more important. I love that. It's a great diversion, but it's not where I belong. Do I sometimes check the score while I'm doing my studying? Yes, I do. And then I put it aside and I go back to work. But it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of, okay, I love this. But is it something that I really, really, really need to be spending time and money on? We go to a Yankees game once a year. My daughters take me every year because we love to do it together. Is that the best use of my time? Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I spend time with my daughters and my grandson, and it's a family thing, and it's, a, it's, it's one of those traditions, and I, I love doing that. It is one of the most important things. Do we have season tickets? No. So that's, to me, that's, that's kind of the difference. Okay, let's move on to the next uh, next segment or next piece of this. So we talked about disruption of our natural earthly thinking, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Next, we achieve spiritual discipline when we work to disengage from natural earthly habits. Jonathan, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 24. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Okay. Disengage from natural earthly habits. This is important, and, and Julie, this really kind of fits with that last question. All things are lawful, but all things are not profitable. Just because something is naturally good doesn't mean it's spiritually healthy. And we need to be able to distinguish the difference between those two things. And if something is not spiritually healthy for us, it may be a naturally good thing we need to consider. Is that fulfilling discipleship or not? Trish, you had another thought, question? Yeah, I just could you clarify something else that you just said? Um, how do we, the, you said the most important thing we do at any given time. Mm -hmm. So how does the most important thing be done within the most important thing as far as our discipleship? The most important thing maybe 
being with your kids or taking it. We got to go to work. All these things are very natural. But how do you do that within the most important thing as far as being a disciple okay, of Christ? Okay, gotcha. Okay. All right. So, so what you're saying is, isn't that sort of cheating the discipleship by going on date night with your wife? The answer is no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> because it's what God wants us to do is fulfill our lives appropriately as Jesus would in a loving, compassionate, giving way. And giving time to those that you love and you are responsible to. I made a commitment to love and cherish and honor my wife till death do us part. I will follow through on that. And God loves when I do that. So that's how you do it within the context. You know, in the old washing the floor. How is washing the floor honoring God? Because it's dirty and it needs to be cleaned. It's that simple. And so you do it saying, Lord, the floor is dirty, needs to be cleaned, and maybe I can hum a hymn while I wash it. So it really is putting things in, in the right perspective. Let's go to, good question, Trish. Let's go to Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of those who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Okay, so, you know, here again, you're, you're like, okay, death and life and, and being raised, we're walking in newness of life. We are walking with a different objective for everything that we are supposed to be doing. Our raising from death to life is a present day, already in progress experience. God considers us to be walking in life right now, even though we haven't had that spiritual change because we have been begotten by his spirit. Julie? So, you know, we want to examine our thoughts and our words and our actions and compare them with the scriptures. So are we in line with what God wants us to be thinking, saying, and doing? Now, I consider myself a very busy person, and yet I always seem to have leftover time to waste. <laughs> and we all make time to do the things that we want to do. So the question for me was, how do I do what I should do and not just what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And my answer came with volunteering for Christian questions. So I've committed and dedicated a large portion of my every day to researching and prepping for programs and working on typing out the CQ Rewind show notes every week and working on our new app that we'll be announcing very soon. And there's Always work to do in the Lord's service, even if it's only writing out an encouraging card or email to those who are sick or isolated. And if we are intentional and we're disciplined, we can form good habits as easily as we can form bad ones. Intentional and disciplined. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, so, and th thanks for, for the practical application of find something to do in the service of God. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's not something quite that, that, that obvious in front of you. Then find, make yourself a warrior of prayer for those who you know can use the help. Make yourself that person who is going to somehow encourage others. There's always something we can do to make our, 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 our uh, disengage from our natural earthly habits of sort of wasting time to engaging in spiritual habits of having fruitage come from those, those periods of time. 
Really good, really good. We achieve spiritual discipline now. You know, we've talked about um, disrupting natural earthly thinking, disengaging natural earthly habits, and now we achieve spiritual discipline when we work to dissolve our natural earthly ambitions. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 from the Young's Literal Translation. Have you not known that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit in you, which you have from God? And ye are not your own. For ye have bought with a price. Glorify then God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So because we've already been purchased by Jesus' ransom, we owe our ambitions to God. Think about that. A true disciple has already been bought with a price. Therefore, God owns us. Why don't we spend our time and our efforts to please him? Julie, go ahead. I've got a question. So if God values sacrifice, then wouldn't more sacrifice be pleasing? I have friends who, um, they're Christian friends, but they say, well, God created the whole earth for us. We can we can spend all our time, um, you know, learning this and doing this and traveling here and doing that. That's because he gave it to us. He didn't give it to us to turn around and give all that up. So is the Christian supposed to be in a perpetual state of giving things up and being miserable in order to be pleasing to God? Do the Tibetan monks have it right? Should we sell everything and sit on a mountaintop somewhere with nothing but the clothes on our backs? How do we harmonize that? Okay, so so there, there's, there's two dramatically different uh, perspectives. Yes, go out and enjoy and appreciate the creation of God. That's a wonderful thing to do. However, the disciple is called to do more than that. Go and be a, a, a monk, have nobody around you, and just, just focus on, 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 on just becoming spiritual. We have been called for more than that. We have been called to contribute to the lives of others, very plainly, very specifically. So, no, our sacrifice isn't to isolate. It is to engage. Why? Because the Scriptures tell us to. Our sacrifice is not to just go out and, and, and appreciate everything, which is a good thing, naturally, but it is to make sure that we are building the body of Christ. And if we're not doing those things, we're not doing the work of a disciple. We are not engaging in the appropriate spiritual discipline. If it's not the scripturally appropriate spiritual discipline, it's not the work of a disciple. Those, there's great, great things to spend your life on. But for a Christian disciple... It's very limited, and it truly is. But it is, it is the most blessed experience you can ever imagine once you make it a part of your very being. So our disciple-driven ambitions are now focused on the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, Jonathan, First Peter 4, 8 to 11. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Rick, um, I had a thought. This is talking about building up the body of Christ, yes. being a part of, of, of the called out ones right. and serving the Lord together. But what happens if we love God to this degree, but we don't know others in our church that are sincere and dedicated? How can we find those 
that are in harmony with these same principles that that we agree with um, because we realize the support for the body of Christ is important. We need the encouragement and help too, and it's necessary based on this verse. Yeah, you know, Jonathan, that's a good question. And so for folks, if you are listening and that exact question has come across your mind, let me give you a really practical answer to that question. And his name is Howie. Okay, and he is is a brother in Christ, and he lives literally on the other side of the world. He lives in New Zealand, and he was in exactly that position, Jonathan, of being in church, but didn't feel like he was being of the church in 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 the highest spiritual way. And so he went searching, and we he found Christian questions, and we got connected personally. We got connected, and so now he is a member of a fellowship. That he doesn't have anybody in his local town that sees things as he has been learning to see them, but he's still connected. And we talk all the time, and we email and correspond, and he knows many, many, many others who have that same sense of what discipleship is, is drawing us to and away from. And so find it. So folks, if you feel that way, send us an email. Let let us know, and we'll introduce you to Howie. <laughs> and the email address, inspiration at christianquestions.com. Okay, good. Inspiration at christianquestions.com. Seriously, you know, we, we laugh about it, but seriously, part of what this podcast is about is to draw people to Christ in the best way possible by, by approaching it through scriptural, spiritual, sincere discussion. That's what we want to get to. So, Jonathan, let's wrap this segment up, Decoding Discipleship. To have spiritual discipline is to continually turn our thoughts, words, and deeds towards godly and humble service of the body of Christ and away from personal satisfaction. Okay, you got to decide, you got to be disciplined as to what you are focusing on. In this world, such discipline is not only rare, it's scoffed at. Our faithfulness is in the death of our own will. Adopting decision, devotion, and discipline is definitely a Christ-like approach. What is left to do? We're uncovering the truth scripture by scripture while gathering information from across today's media landscape with our vast CQ team of contributors. We want to hear from you, our listeners, for more contribution to our conversations. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com or message us through the Christian Questions app and our producers may read your comments over the air. Let's continue working through our topic with all our tools. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together. The only thing left is consistency, the hardest of all our discipleship qualities. So often we are inspired to do God's will and to sacrifice ourselves for it. Now, while inspiration is necessary and powerful... It is lost without its less popular brother, perspiration. (laughs) Disciples need both to succeed. It's not enough to be inspired. We need to perspire figuratively in the service of Christ. Julie? So, you know, the, um, when we talk about consistency and discipline and we want this consistency, we need to be, Um, We need to be constant. And the foundation of consistency requires repeated intent held together by discipline. And that builds upon our intent. I picture this like a brick wall. So every brick that we lay is our intent. 
and we continually add this intent over and over. It's what we, we know we should be doing. And this is what we really want to be doing. Just like the Apostle Paul says, you know, here's where my goals are. The discipline is the mortar that holds it all together. And being that stable wall with intent and discipline is what makes consistency. And consistency is what made Jesus and the Apostle Paul faithful. And Peter, who made mistakes, but he was consistent in getting back up. And why aren't we consistent? Where is the lack coming from? And inevitably, if you look at it, it comes from our inability to either be intentional, an intentional disciple, or we're not applying discipline to those intentions. So we need to pay attention to that. And I hate to be another commercial, but that brick wall (laughs) is going to be in CQ Rewind show notes this week. Um, It's because the foundation of consistency requires repeated intent held together by discipline. All right. So again, a a preview of CQ Rewind show notes and really want you to uh, invite you to take a look at that because it's an aid to help put all of this together. Jonathan? Bottom line, is true discipleship to Jesus reflected in the majority of churches that surround us? And you know, bottom line, probably not. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you just write every church off and every individual, and that's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is the example of discipleship is hard and difficult and not attractive to the masses. So it is a calling to a higher purpose because that's what Jesus was called to. So we've got to be really focused on what is it that we're supposed to be doing. So the, our final discipleship decision here, Julie, what is it? Deliver what we've promised with consistency. And this is where we separate the um, adults from the children in Christ. Walking in Jesus' footsteps is a lifelong marathon. It really is. It, he got it done in three and a half years. I, you know, I've been, I've been working at, at fulfilling, trying to, to follow the will of God since I was 16 years old. And I'm years old now, <laughs> and there's been a lot of years in between. <laughs> so uh, consistency, step by step, continually trying to move forward. We can only deliver what we've promised with consistency if we're properly outfitted to do so. Okay, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, a very basic, basic principle for being consistent in Christ. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay, so finally, be strong in the Lord. You've got to reach beyond yourself to be able to do that. Good. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay, we are not fighting just a regular battle of peer pressure in our daily lives. We are fighting a spiritual battle, which is beyond us if we're not using the proper tools. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Julie? So the Apostle Paul, in describing his ministry, often used the words toil and struggle. And toil means to grow weary, tired, exhausted. And I think it's ironic that for all of the leisure time we have in today's society, we all seem to be weary, tired, and exhausted. Yeah. Um, and so in Colossians 1.29, in talking about the fundamental principles of discipleship, he said, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul po- fought to the point of exhaustion 
but God gave him the strength to do everything he needed to do. And so we need to ask for strength and focus using God's energy and power well beyond our own. Yeah. And, and, and it really comes down to what am I deciding to do? You know, you know, we've decided to answer the call from God. We have to live a life of devotion, which requires discipline, which means we need to deliver. And that's really what we're focusing on, is delivering through the difficulties. Jonathan? One last quote from our friend Tom Gilbert. Discipleship is not about saying the right words. It is about giving God everything you have. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly what, what this is. Deliver. Deliver the goods that you are commissioned to deliver. See, the Apostle Paul encouraged us to deliver all uh, our all in a disciplined fashion. 1 Corinthians nine twenty four to 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So Paul is encouraging us to deliver our all in a disciplined fashion, and he talks about this, this running so that you may win. And then, but it's as he's watching out for his own efforts because he's he's going to be admitting that the, his own efforts might wane, and that's verses twenty six and twenty seven. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You know, it's a powerful thing for the apostle Paul to say. I am watching out because after I've done all of this work, I don't want to be disqualified myself. That gives you a sense of the depth of requirement of discipleship. Now, look, folks, let's not get scared like, well, if the Apostle Paul is worried about it, I can't, I don't stand a chance. The good news is you're not the Apostle Paul and neither am I. Okay? So what's required of us is very, very different. But what's required of you is your all. And what's required of me is my all. And we want to make sure that we deliver that all, all of the time. So Paul encourages us to deliver a life that reflects the doctrines of truth daily. What, what, what Christianity actually stands for daily, to live what we speak. So let's go to 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine to 34, and sort of setting the context, because we're trying to just quote parts of verses, because Jesus is raised and God will be over all, then verse 29 picks up on that thought. If the dead are not raised at all, why then were they baptized for them? Why were also we, Why are we also in danger every hour? I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, or the thought is, if I had been thrown into the lions, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought, and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So Paul is giving us this encouragement to, uh, to live a life that reflects what Christianity actually stands for. And it's interesting, as he's going through and he's showing his own, own, own efforts— he actually quotes, in verse 33, says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. He is quoting from a, a, a popular, I don't remember if it was a, a, a poet or philosopher, of that day. And what he's saying is, you've got to realize 
that you are called to something that's higher. And you've got to make sure that every part of you is focused as best as you can. Be sober-minded and stop sinning because it's the knowledge of God that carries you to this higher level. Well, Rick, don't we all need a why for our call? A why to keep before us so that we continue to strive and don't forget why we answered the call and said, yes, Lord, you've got my all because of this, that, or the other thing. What is your why? You know, and, and I think that is, is, is very different for every individual. And I would encourage every one of you listening to sit down and think, why? Why am I following after Christ? Now, okay, I was called and I believe I should answer, but why? What is the one part of this whole thing that has got the strongest driving force for you? For me, and I, I went through this exercise, and Jonathan, you know this story. I've told it about a hundred times. You know, many, many, many years ago, um, I, I went through the personal exercise of, of trying to define my why in, in a very, very succinct manner so it was easy to remember. And my why is two words. It's just two words. It's honor God. Those two words, to me, mean a host of things. It means spending time with my children, raising them with, with proper morals and ethics. It means doing my job at work the best I know how. It means being a participator in, in all of the fellowship activities. It, it means being a good human being. It means, it means you know, lending my umbrella to somebody who is who's walking in the rain and getting wet. That's all of what... Honoring God to me means. So yes, we all need to have that why to drive us because if we've been called and we answered that call and God gave us his spirit, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to get up every day and apply myself in true devotion, true discipline, so I can deliver what I what I am supposed to deliver? So a couple more scriptures we need to wrap this up. Paul wrote uh, the epistle of the Philippians while he's in prison in Rome, and his death is approaching. Philippians 1, verses 20 to 21. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's interesting. We see this verse, and, and he's in prison, okay? And he has been pulled out of his daily ministry and he's stuck in one place and he can't go anywhere and he can't preach to anybody except the prison guards and he does a good job of that incidentally okay but he is knowing that his life is going to end and he has concluded in his writing for me to live is christ see that's discipleship to live is christ and therefore to die is gain there is no difference because it's all about christ why because it all honors god that's the bottom line. Anything on that one before we continue to last, last scripture? Okay, so once we fully delivered our discipleship, even unto death, we will then be with Jesus. Again, it's about delivering. It's about being faithful to the things we're called to do. It's different for every one of us. It's difficult for every one of us. And it is the most blessed, wonderful, learning, maturing growing experience that any one of us can ever have. Our final scripture, Revelation seventeen fourteen. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him 
are the called, chosen, and faithful. The called, the chosen, and faithful. Those are the true disciples of Christ. Those are the ones called by God to that higher purpose. Jonathan, our final decoding discipleship thought. The consistent delivery of our daily lives and sacrifice to do the will of God is what true discipleship is all about. What are, what are we to do? What are to do? What? I'm sorry. <laughs> we are to do what Jesus did. I think that's what Thank you're trying you. to say. <laughs> that's exactly it, Rick. <laughs> and sometimes we get tongue-tied when we try to do it. But it doesn't mean we, we don't make the effort. Okay, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, I just think that if we've been called of God, we want to answer the call and not waste the opportunity. We want to be Christ-centered and not self-centered. And we have to measure our discipleship beyond just going to church on Sunday and ask, what is driving us all seven days of the week? And that's really profound. We want to be the called, the chosen, and the faithful. And that is a calling for our lives. Folks, that is a look at dying for Jesus, at true discipleship. He died for us. His death was of merit. It changed the world. Our sacrifice is a gift to God. We have nothing in ourselves that we can offer except a willing heart, and God can take the potential of that heart and turn it into something immortal and powerful in His service. And that is the end result of the life of a true disciple. For Jonathan and Rick and Julie, we truly hope you've enjoyed being with us today as we talked about discipleship, getting down to the grassroots of how it truly actually works. Work on it, focus on it, and do the things that are in front of you. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Again, coming up next week, we'll be talking about, okay, my life is full of suffering. Am I cursed? That's a good question. Talk to you next week and We'll look at an answer. 